2: Uh, the ultimate heel, Matt George, who even in a win, Matt George can't celebrate. He finds a not reason. Not good enough. He finds a reason to be upset. I believe one of your Twitter followers said, "I'm not going to get upset about winning wrong."
3: <laughs>
2: Matt, why do you why do you, why do you stay stirring it up?
3: No, I, 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 not good enough last night. Look, and I, I've said this too, and if you want me to lean into the heel persona, fine, I'll lean into the hero persona. No matter what happens tomorrow night, no matter what happened last night, this is already a failed homestand because Sacramento dropped two of these five games. Four and one was the bare minimum, the bare minimum, and they failed. A
4: failed, failed. homestand.
3: It's a failed homestand. Three and two, it might have been improvement on when they started. Not good enough. We're going to look back at this homestand. We might look back at this homestand. I'm telling you, March, April, (laughs) we might look back at this and say, remember that that game they lost to Atlanta? Remember that game they dropped to L.A.? Remember this homestand when they should have picked up four or even five of them? Nope. That's the that difference. Yeah, that's we, the difference between that four seed and that five seed I'm right about, there. I'm
4: about to say, yeah, that's gonna be what we're gonna talk about. The difference between four and five.
3: <laughs> yep. Damn right. You lose home court advantage. You're gonna point to this and you're gonna say, everyone, heel Matt George was right. We could be we be could be having game one. Instead we have to wait till game three. Heel Matt George was right. HMG. And y'all gonna come crawling back to me and you know what I'm gonna say, you know what? No, not good enough. Not good enough. HMG
2: <laughs> Man, leaning into the persona. Okay, all kidding aside, this started. No, no I thought <laughs> I thought it started with his podcast. And Matt said, Oh, I'm I'm catching flack. He texted me, I'm catching, I'm catching flack for 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 saying they should have played better last night. And I was that was locked on, was next on the list, and I, I pulled it up. I was like, I I thought Matt delivered I I thought what Matt said was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh you, you know, you you got to be able to you, you had the opportunity to put a team like Houston away. You didn't. You let them back in the game. Not only did you let them back in the game. You let them. I thought Matt laid this all out very, very well. And then I saw his Twitter account. And that's the thing, Matt. You can't tweet it. You can say it because you've got 30, 40, 50 minutes to explain your words. But when you tweet it. Boy, you're dead in the water.
3: Well, you if you if you read my tweet, you got a problem with it, you gotta to come to the podcast for context. You gotta get more Mad George if you wanna get with the Oh,
2: you're asking it. a lot of people. You're you're asking a lot of people to what to, to, to click a link and listen.
4: For those who didn't check it out though, what is what was your issue with last night? Just the fact that it well, was a close I, game in, I mean, in the fourth quarter?
3: starting with the fact that you came into the fourth quarter losing at home to the Houston Rockets and had allowed 95 points to a Houston Rockets team that averages 109 per game to start. Now the fourth quarter was fantastic. Like it Mm. was excellent, but the fourth quarter, the way I started my podcast was saying the fourth quarter is the rug that you're going to brush the other three quarters under, uh, under and, and try and hide the realities of that game. Like being there watching the Sacramento Kings were not playing I don't think good basketball. And it's crazy to say a team that finished scoring 135, did they score last night? 136? mm -hmm. Yeah, 135. Was not playing their best basketball, but they weren't. Like it took a 41 to 24th quarter to change a lot of people's minds. And I was surprised because I've walked into post-game press conferences after Kings wins when I was on cloud freaking nine, and Mike Brown will open up the press conference going, man, I I thought we did good, but we could have done better. So I'm walking into last night's press conference thinking, Mike's going to open this up saying the fourth quarter was great, but now he opens up the press conference like, that was freaking awesome. That was great. You know, we executed our game plan, but I was like, what the hell, Mike? Like, what? Y'all what, what, you, you all played terrible basketball. Well, not not terrible. Y'all played uh, to the level of the Houston Rockets, I felt, for the first three quarters of that game. The first quarter, you had some good moments. The, first, the second and third quarters, you did not play – your level of basketball, and you allowed the Houston Rockets to hang around. And I said, after the Magic game, I said I did not expect the Sacramento Kings to blow the Rockets out both nights the way they blew out the Orlando Magic. But I want to see the Sacramento Kings build a lead at home and maintain and sustain that lead. I know basketball is a game of runs. I get it. But you had two 10-plus point leads in the first half, and you blew both of them, one of which you blew within a manner of minutes. The Rockets hit three straight threes, and that 10-point lead became like one in a minute and a half. Again, basketball is a game of runs. But I want to see the Sacramento Kings against teams that they're clearly better than. Houston had no business wanting to win that game. They don't care. They're out there trying to showcase and invite Victor Wimbayama to dinner. Like they, that's, that's what they're out there for. They're trying to court him. And, and then the young guys are trying to get their shots up and have their moments. So I wanted to see the Sacramento Kings handle business better. We saw what they're capable of in the fourth quarter. And it's about time they showed it.
2: Me, for those just tuning in, by the way, just new audience for those just tuning in. The Kings won by 20. last
3: night. <laughs> that's right. Should have been, been
4: 30. Let me ask you a question, Matt. Let me ask you a question. Were the Kings a good team or a bad team
3: last year? Last year? Yeah. Garbage.
4: They lost to Denver 115-110. They lost to Philadelphia 103-101. They lost to Milwaukee 133-127. Uh, let's see. Let me find it. They lost to Cleveland 109-108. Mm. Those are all – Four play-
3: teams didn't win the championship, Kenny. Oh, right, but
4: those mm. are all really good teams. We're moving the goalposts in that back now we moving nope, to goalposts nope. now because now we just talking about championship. Before, we were talking about being a good team and handling bad teams. And the Kings were a garbage team, to quote you, last year. And they hung around, and these good teams let a garbage thing hang around. It happens. It happens. It's the NBA, man. It happens.
3: Well, you said get greedy. I'm getting greedy. We're 40 That's games in the Sacramento Kings championship season, damn it. Those Matt, four teams weren't champions. That's Matt, not what champions do.
2: Matt has gotten so greedy that 20-point wins aren't enough. Nope,
3: not enough. Not enough. enough. It should have been more. It been, you should have been up 20 in the, th- in the second quarter and then sustained it to the fourth quarter.
4: Tell the Kings, do better tomorrow.
2: Do, <laughs> Matt, Matt adjusted his suit, grabbed his purse, and told the Kings to do better tomorrow it's good stuff
4: (laughs) it happens man it's the nba and i look i don't think they were playing bad earlier were they playing to the best of their capabilities no but i don't think they were playing bad um the rockets kj martin was was playing really well they were making some shots whatever the case may be but what you do if you're a good team is you turn up and you handle business when you're supposed to and that's what they did last night
3: they did they did the fourth quarter was was excellent their execution in the fourth quarter, Trey Lyles was phenomenal in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, it was a different kind of dominance in the fourth quarter for De'Aaron Fox in the sense that, like, it wasn't scoring, do- like, six assists to me in the fourth quarter is just as impressive as when he dropped, what, 22 in the fourth, not too many uh, games ago. and it's Because mm-hmm. De'Aaron, he's guarded differently now in the fourth. Teams know the fourth quarter is De'Aaron's domain. So they're they're throwing more pressure at him, and De'Aaron could get to any spot on the floor that he wanted to. Last night was still getting to his spots, but instead was looking to to cash in on the hot hand, which was Trey Lyles and the threes that he was hitting, and also was feeding Demontis Sabonis too. So the the fourth quarter execution from the Sacramento Kings was great. I just don't think, I don't think the Kings should have to wait until the fourth quarter to be trailing the Houston Rockets at home and go, oh wait a minute, it's the fourth quarter, we're at home now. Let's turn it on. Like I think I don't I don't I want to see the Kings do that earlier on in the game. And as much as I'm having fun with this heel persona, a 20 point win is fantastic, but the 20 point win doesn't tell the story of that game last night. That game was way closer than a 20 point win suggests the Kings had a dominant fourth quarter. And that dominance that we've seen from the Sacramento Kings that we know they're capable of nightly, I don't think should have to wait to the fourth quarter to see it's, it's been more rare than it has been common for Sacramento to not be able to build and sustain leads, especially in games that they've been dropping here at home. They weren't able to build uh, that big of a lead. They almost blew a lead that they could never get above nine points in their win against the Utah Jazz. They were not able to build any kind of lead. In fact, trailed a lot of the game against uh, Washington. They weren't able to build much of a lead against Charlotte. So I want to see the Kings show an ability to put games away earlier and not have to wait and rely on fourth quarter De'Aaron Fox to defeat teams That are openly bottom of the standings. Because if you're waiting to do that, you're not going to be in a position to do that against playoff teams in games that matter March and April, in my opinion.
4: They just did that on Monday
3: (laughs) against Orlando. Yeah, they just did that the other day. Yeah. Not every game
4: is going to be that way.
3: No, I understand that every game's going to be that way. I'm not saying they have to blow every team out every single night. What I'm saying is I want to see the Sacramento Kings consistently show an ability to put teams away that they should be much better than they are much better than at home. Thankfully, they did it in the fourth quarter. But you said be greedy. I'm I'm trying to be greedy. I want to see it earlier. I
2: like the greediness. And and sometimes it's just as simple as shots falling. Uh, The Kings hit six three-pointers in that fourth quarter. The Rockets hit seven field goals. Damn. Like, it's a, sometimes it's just as simple as that. And I'm glad you said you said something about De'Aaron that I don't think has gotten enough attention because we've kind of had some fun with Trey Lyles and the performance that he had uh, last night in the 15 points in the fourth quarter, 20 points overall. Mm. De'Aaron, you mentioned the six assists. He had nine points in that quarter. He had mm. nine points and six assists in the fourth quarter. Man. That's every bit as fourth quarter fox as the 22-point performance yeah. was. Yeah. He constantly made the right play in the fourth quarter for that game to become what it was mm-hmm. uh before Steven Silas, as uh Kyle Draper noted, uh waved the white flag uh <laughs> and put everybody but Bobon in. Yeah. Poor Bobon. Free Bobon. Yeah. Would've, it would have been nice to throw Bobon in. Best moment he, of the
3: game last night was was uh slams him before the game in a space suit and messing with the Rockets and Boban waved to him like a child and came up and gave him a fist bump. That was the best part of the game.
2: That's
4: terrific.
3: I love Boban and free Eric Gordon because poor Eric Gordon no. wastes away on that, in that like, team. Get, like, him, get him to an opportunity to be a six man on a playoff team.
4: Like Jason Jones said, Eric Gordon thought he was getting traded three seasons ago. No. <laughs> He's just stuck. Just stuck there. Like an episode of Atlanta when they were stuck in uh, that mall. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's Eric that's that's, Gordon and, and with the Houston Rockets.
2: Can't get out the mall. <laughs> can't get out the mall. Hey, but, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just
4: going to back off what you said, man. De'Aaron Fox, 9.6 assists. In the fourth I mean, that's, quarter, man. That's, that's, that's a dominant performance from your point guard late in that game. And, you know, some people would even like it a little bit more because not only is he handling business himself, but he's getting others involved yeah. as well. So, um, and we just kind of sleep on it, you know, because it's not as flashy. But nine point six assists—that's that is being a, a a person that controls the game when it matters most.
3: You know what else we sweep, uh, we sleep on is how good of a teammate Demontis Sabonis is, because this man's one assist shy of a triple double. This man's leading the team in scoring all night in a game where Sacramento hasn't looked particularly great until the fourth quarter. And he takes a passive role time and time and time again in the fourth when it's De'Aaron's time. Mm. And he stepped to the podium and said before, I tell De'Aaron in the fourth quarter, it is your show. You tell me where to go. You want me in a screen or you want me out of your way? And DeMontis lives by that. Like, you don't see many players who are doing what only the two-time MV freaking P in the league is doing Mm. and get out of the way in winning time after he's the one at times carrying the team on his back for the first three quarters. You don't see that a lot. And and what I, I'm seeing out of DeMontis Simotis and what I saw out of De'Aaron Fox last night is two guys that know that they're the best, know that they have to carry this team as far as they're going to go. But when others like Trey or Malik or Kevin or Keegan or whoever it is are getting hot, they know when to step aside and do the, the best thing to help the Sacramento Kings win. And that's something that I don't think – I don't know if Mike Brown taught that if he's influenced that in any kind of way. But that, to me, is the foundation of winning basketball, and I think that's what the Sacramento Kings are going to be able to build their success on for hopefully the next five-plus years.
2: What do you think about this resurgence, or so to speak, from the bench that we've seen uh, the last couple of days? Uh, obviously, n- namely uh, Chemezi Metu and, and what he's been able to do. We saw you know, Trey Lyles last night, but I think it started in the Orlando game. We hadn't seen Chemezi Metu. Uh, since Halloween or whenever we determined it was, and he was out there, there cooking against Orlando, and now we, it feels like that. It feels like the bench is back in a flow to where the King's second unit could again be. I think at one point they were the highest scoring second unit in in, in the league. Feels like they they might be working their way back to that.
3: If there is a better option than Chemezi Metu for the backup five spot, they are not on the roster yet. Mm. Like that's the way I feel. I look at Chemezi Metu. I look at the way he plays. I look at the energy that he brings. Yes, he still has shortcomings. You can find a shortcoming with literally every player on this freaking roster, maybe not named DeMontis Sabonis, but even then you could point out like rim protection or whatever. Mm -hmm. Chemezi Metu comes in, provides energy, and makes an impact. And I compared him loosely to Malik Monk in the sense that, and plus the two of them have a ridiculous connection that I think, Kenny, you pointed out earlier this week. When Malik Monk and Shemezi Metu come into a game, you see an energetic impact. And it's an impact that doesn't just affect the players around them and the way the Sacramento Kings play. It affects the people inside the Golden 1 Center. Mm -hmm. And when the Golden 1 Center gets rocked and the Sacramento Kings are at their best, there's a reason why the Kings tend to go on little mini spurts and runs after uh, two missed free throws and crumble cookies like energy in that building directly and, I, and I'm giving Kings fans power and rightfully so energy in the golden one center this Kings team clearly responds to and both Malik Monk and Shimezi Metsu are curators of energy. They always bring energy when they come in with a second unit that was what was missing in the Laker game despite the fact that they scored 134 points in that loss or 135 whatever they scored. That's what was missing was that Malik Monk energy, Chemezi Metu's energy has been missed as well. I don't know why Rashawn Holmes doesn't do the energetic little things that Chemezi Metu brings. I think that's part of Rashawn's game. I have no idea what it is, but that is Chemezi Metu's spot. He's going to do things that would normally lose him that spot or might frustrate Mike Brown from time to time and and cause DeMontis Sabonis to have to play 40-plus minutes, but hopefully those nights are few and far between. And until Mike uh, or uh, Monty McNair finds a replacement or improves this roster, that should be Demezi Metu's spot.
4: Yeah, I agree.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
0: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What
4: would you think about uh, Terrence Davis last night? You know, getting the start, and he's been, you know, battling it a little bit. But, you know, he got the start for Herter, who was um, out sick. And, you know, he didn't score the ball a lot. But I was telling Damian earlier, I thought he played really hard last night. I thought he was trying. He was trying to do the right things. Uh, I think he had six rebounds last night. Um, but, you know, he was, he was trying to get in there and, and make his presence felt. What would you think about his play?
3: I think the biggest, the biggest um, criticism I have of Terrence Davis is that I didn't really notice him last night. Truth be told, there isn't anything Terrence Davis did last night that that stood out. But at the same time, there wasn't anything bad that Terrence Davis did last night that stood out. I think he played the spot. I think he he, he stepped into the role that's clearly Kevin Herter's, and he he filled it. And he had moments. He hit some shots from time to time, played with hustle, played with energy. If there's anything I can say with absolute certainty about Terrence Davis, it's that he's coachable. And then he responds to what uh, Mike Brown wants. But I think that's something that's consistent throughout this entire roster. Mike Brown gets responses from these guys. That's something that, that Luke Walton was never really able to do. Dave Yeager was never really able to do. Since Mike Malone, we have not seen anybody really consistently get responses out of players. And Mike seems to get it out of this entire roster, not just one or two guys. And I asked De'Aaron about how coachable this team is last night, and he basically said, guys want to win. And -hmm. I think Terrence Davis played last night like, I think I should be a part of this rotation. I think I deserve to be in this starting spot, but I want to win first and foremost. That's how I see Terrence Davis and the rest of the Sacramento Kings playing.
2: You, you, you mentioned uh, that De'Aaron Fox question. I, I actually want to I, I want to play that. I, I, I thought that was a, 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 a great question and a great answer uh, from De'Aaron. But before we do, we've got tickets to see the Sacramento Kings uh, take on Toronto at the end of the month, January 25th to be exact. And we've got those tickets for you right now. Caller number 3, 916 uh, 916- 909 1320. Call Jesse. Say, I love Heal Matt George, <laughs> uh, and he'll get you the tickets. 916 909 1320. Again, call the number three. See the Sacramento Kings uh, take on uh, Toronto. I'm actually grabbing this from Brendan Nunez's uh, Twitter account. Here's here's uh, the, the question that Matt George was just referring to You've with talked
3: Aaron. about how coachable you are. Trey just shared uh, being asked to get more rebounds. Keegan was asked to get more rebounds. Just in your perspective as one of the leaders, how coachable do you think this roster is? Uh, I think guys want to
4: win. Um, you know, coaches
3: aren't asking us to, and they've never asked me to go score 30, uh, or go score 40. Uh, they don't ask Domas
2: to get a triple double. Um, they ask little things: be be in early, be the low guy, box out, uh, keep your guy in front. You know, they're they're asking us to do little things that continue to add up, um, and once all these things are stacked up, you're, you be, you become a really good team. So, um, it's just a lot of a, a lot of details that they ask us to do, and guys who want to win are willing to do it and. I think we, we have had multiple guys be asked of different things throughout the season, and they've stepped up. So, uh, for for those new to the program, uh, Brendan Nunez is a notoriously loud uh, typer. That was that was that was Brandon Nunez there. Uh, but Matt, I th- I thought that was a a a great question on your part and a a really detailed answer from De'Aaron Fox there.
3: Well, first off, it's proof that De'Aaron Fox still talks to me. So yes, really I, 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 I,
2: that was my first. <laughs> that was my first thought: is he didn't he didn't give you a yes or no or a shut up, Matt George? Like he gave you an answer.
3: You ready for this? That was the second question I asked him too. So wow. he talked to me twice last night. Wow. So that's two more than you losers. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I love De'Aaron's answer. Like I'm not asked to go out and, and score thirty. They know that I can do that, but I'm not asked to do that. Mm -hmm. And what has Mike Brown called Keegan Murray out for? Rebounds, which I thought has been kind of overblown a little bit, but that's just my mama bear defensiveness of my rookie, Keegan Murray. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, he's asked Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles shared last night. He called me out in front of the entire team and said, I need you to defensive rebounds. Terrence Davis has shared with us before. He got called out on the bench in the middle of a game for not doing something right and then went back in a couple, uh, or like a quarter later and did it right. And Mike celebrated that. Like, that's the kind of response that Mike is getting out of this group. Mm-hmm. Mike is such a, I mean, I think Keegan Murray said that Mike is like a father figure to him or has been a father figure to him off the floor. Mm-hmm. But when he's on the floor, like, he holds him accountable. I witnessed Mike pull Davion Mitchell during training camp in front of the entire team and say, you need to be better as a point guard. You have a really, really tough job and you need to be better at it. Like this team responds to that. And Mike has the reputation and he has the belief and the support of that roster that they will listen to him and they will take that criticism. And that's one of the, I think, biggest compliments that I can give De'Aaron Fox this season. De'Aaron Fox has shown small things that are exactly what we've heard Mike Brown preach since the beginning of the season. And the best example that I can give, we've heard Mike Brown talk a lot about guarding with your chest, not with your hands. Mm-hmm. And Darren does that every night, almost every possession against guards who attack him. Unfortunately, he did it perfectly against Schroeder. The other, or not sure. Yeah.
2: No. Yeah. It was, it was Dennis Schroeder, it was Schroeder
3: yeah. the, in the Laker game and Schroeder, Some for some reason was allowed to go to the free throw line for De'Aaron, not giving him a lane to the basket. God forbid a defender not allow you to have a free lane to the basket. The one time the Kings actually deny a lane and they get called a foul for it. So, um, like that is just an example of the many small ways that De'Aaron and different Sacramento Kings have allowed themselves to be coached by. Mike Brown and not just worry about the points that they're putting up and, and the stats that maybe get their contract ex- uh, incentives and that's a clear shot at a former Sacramento King.
4: De'Aaron uh, quite as kept last night kind of turned the water off on Jalen Green. You know, mm. Jalen Green was, was looking aggressive and doing some good things and De'Aaron, I, I saw him digging down and locking up uh, to try and make his life a living hell uh, in that second half. So, uh, great job at that. DeMontis Sabonis, myself and Damian, we have come to the conclusion that he is never not going to have a double double for the rest of the season. Can you Facts. you agree with that? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean he's he's never not going to have a double double. He's going to have um double doubles for the remainder of his career including his his Kobe Bryant send-off final game when he has a 60-point triple double.
2: Oh, very nice. And and hopefully that gets him uh the 2 the 230 that he needs to beat Wilt Chamberlain's all-time record. Right now,
4: yeah, he might be two thirty off by then.
2: Yeah, (laughs) what we're we're, right now, Matt, we're just looking for fifty four straight, so he Mm -hmm. can beat Kevin Love's uh, modern era NBA record of fifty three.
3: And until he does that, you know what, Damian? Not good enough.
4: Until he
3: gets there, not good enough, Sabonis. One, you could give me one more assist last night. You got to get in the you got to get in the triple double conversation. You couldn't get me one more assist. I don't care if you got taken out with two minutes left. You then go to Mike Brown and say, "Damn it, you leave me in the game. I'm getting this last assist." Well, Hmg, not back at
4: no. it again. I think uh, Jokic was one assist short of a triple double last night as well. He got pulled in that
2: game that aired on ESPN instead of uh, yeah. Kings Rockets. Yeah, that thirty Remember, point blowout. I think it was.
3: People seriously, people do not talk enough about the fact that. And I've seen this brought up like casually in conversations on Twitter and then just glossed over. Nikola Jokic, back to back MVPs, has a good chance to be a three straight time MVP, mm-hmm. is the only player doing what DeMontis Sabonis can do. How in the world are we questioning whether or not Sabonis is, should be an all star? How is this even a question? Like, this needs to be talked about in every living room of a so-called NBA fan in the country, what DeMontis Sabonis is doing. Mm. I mean, you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the first quarter every single night, and the man has like nine points, five rebounds, and six assists every night. Mm. And some nights he's playing 40 minutes, other nights he's playing 32. The stat line is the same every freaking time. Like Sabonis needs to be a household name, and it's embarrassing that he's not.
4: Yeah, I agree. Hey, let me ask you a question, Matt. That's Damien this too, kind of, because I've been on this rampage uh for the last no. hour and a half. Oh god. Well not about the Niners, but oh. uh I don't think there's a I think because people are so caught up in the fact that they don't well, I don't want to say they don't believe. They don't play great defense. The Kings that's the fact. They're so caught up on that that they lose sight of the fact that this is the highest scoring team in basketball. And they score at a clip that a lot of teams can't keep up with. And I know when you talk about championships and playoffs, they're going to have to defend. Absolutely, we get all that. But they were going through the numbers earlier, and I, I always just kind of throw out there, like, hey, Kings are going to score. Can you keep up? If they can score, I don't think you guys can keep up, talking about whoever they're playing. And Damian pulled up the stat. They've scored 120 points 18 times this year. They're 16-2. When they score 120, literally, if they score, y'all can't keep up. Do you think there's not been Breaking the
2: Warriors' uh, regular season record. (laughs) Come on, guys.
4: Do you think there's not been enough made uh, of the fact that this team is really fun offensively and they're the highest scoring team in basketball?
3: Uh, I think – I think their defense is bad enough to where we don't appreciate it as much as we should, myself included. Uh, Let me tell you the problem that I have with what you just said. 16-2 and is awesome when we score 120 or more points. That's been less than half of the games they played. Mm -hmm. So unless the Kings are doing that 50%, they haven't even done that 50% of the time. So we're saying that the Kings are not playing at their optimal offensive value to outscore someone more than 48 or whatever the hell percentage of the time that is like, that's Mm -hmm. concerning to me as someone who wants to see this team go to the next level and have success. And Mike Brown said it himself. He actually said it, I think after the Laker game, in response to a question that I asked, he said, simply outscoring your opponent every night is not a consistent recipe for success. It's not a recipe for winning. Mm -hmm. When the Kings were on their seven game win streak, they were, close to, if not the best offense, I think they were like number two best offense in the NBA at that time. Defensively, they were middle of the pack. They were like 15, 16, 17, that range. And they won seven straight, including a 153 point blowout over the Brooklyn Nets, including a road win against the second seed Memphis Grizzlies. That goes to show you this Kings team just needs to be average defensively to start bridging that gap between good and great. That's Mm -hmm. how good the defense or the offense is. But unfortunately their defense is so poor and at times inconsistent. And this King's team uh, cares so much about responding to a bucket with a bucket and not stopping that first bucket to begin with that they handicap themselves. And even like Harrison Barnes pointed out, I asked Harrison after his 30 point performance in the win over the Orlando magic, I talked to him like, share with us what it's like to have, that feeling in the NBA of everything you touch is gold and everything's going in. And the first thing Harrison said to me was, I felt like every time I made a basket, we were just trading baskets and they were answering. Like that's the first thing he pointed out. So this Kings team recognizes they got to start stringing together stops over the course of a 48 minute game and can't just rely on scoring 120 points a night because when it rains it pours with this team offensively we've seen them explode but we've also seen droughts affect the entire roster to where nobody outside of DeMontis Abonus is shooting above a 45-50% clip and when you get to the playoffs where they say defense really matters in the playoffs the kings can't really aren't really going to be the team that i expect to step up defensively to win those playoff games but a team like memphis or uh, denver or Dallas or wh- whoever, who's been there before, who knows defensively what it takes to win, I expect them to be able to step it up. And I don't know if any of those teams are going to allow the Sacramento Kings on that sk- stage to score 120 points four times to win a series.
2: Why are you so mad today?
3: <laughs> it's a heel persona, baby. I'm, I'm leaning into it. I like this. This is how the Miz feels like. This is what MJF feels like. I'm in. I need a scarf.
2: Do you... <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm with that. Do you think they're capable of doing what you just laid out? You mentioned the Harrison Barnes, which is a great line, uh, saying they, they felt like they were just he'd score and then they'd score, like they were just trading baskets. Do you think the Kings are capable enough of a defensive team to make those stops when needed?
3: I think they've shown it, but I don't think they're capable enough yet consistently, especially on the biggest stage. Like if they're struggling to do it against Houston, which again, it happens. Like one of the things that I appreciated about last night was Mike made it very clear. He thought the Kings executed their game plan, which was, we're going to give them open looks on the perimeter because we're not going to allow ourselves to get beat in the paint. Well, the Kings gave up 46 points in the paint, which is good for them. And... The Houston Rockets had a big shooting night, which allowed them to stay close. So as soon as I heard that, I felt a little bit better, despite the heel persona. Um, but no, the Kings are not to the point where I can consistently believe that they're going to be able to pull that off. Like, And I, and I don't think that this roster is going to be capable of doing that this season. I think they have guys that are capable of doing that in stretches. And if the Kings can do essentially what they did last night but against good teams, mm-hmm. which has put themselves in a, pre- a position, a close game against a Denver, which we've seen. And then defensively do enough to win that game. Or I could use the Cleveland game as an example, right? The game in Cleveland where mm-hmm. the Kings were were behind defensively. That's what fueled that 19-0 run that the Kings went on. Now I don't think we should expect the Kings to go on a 19-0 run every time they're going to win a game in the fourth quarter, just like we shouldn't expect the Kings to outscore their opponents 41 to 20 in the fourth quarter. If the mm-hmm. Kings have to rely on that, I think they're in trouble come winning time of the season late on in the season and in the postseason. But, if they can put themselves consistently in positions to where the game is closed in the final three, four minutes, and De'Aaron and Sabonis and that closing lineup can learn how to string a couple stops together, I think that's step one to this team winning some playoff games.
4: This team, um, is I don't think they're built to play defense consistently the way everybody wants them to. They can keep striving for that. Mike can keep asking of that, but I don't think they're built for that. I think they're built to be a high-octane offense and they will get timely stops on the defensive end. And that's that's going to be – like when the games are close.
2: 127 to 121.
4: There we go. That's Kings basketball this year. Mm. That's Kings basketball this year. And, I, I mean, I think people – bang their heads up against the wall. Like, Why don't they play defense? That's not who they are. Like I said, they can strive for it, but that's, not, I, I that's don't, not who they are.
2: And you you both can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think people get too wound up. I mean, I know people want them to play better defense. I mm-hmm. think it's when things like Thomas Bryant happen. Well, that I was think that's where people are like, yo, what the hell is this? That was inexcusable. Like Again, LeBron, you deal with that. You have no choice. Dennis Schroeder dropping 20. Dennis Schroeder's a good ball player. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Thomas Bryant did what? Mm-hmm. That's where fans are left like, wait a minute.
4: Well, even with that, though, Thomas Bryant really – What was that,
2: only, 70 paint points that game? Yeah,
4: Thomas Bryant really only happened once. Like, that's the other thing to, like, these things happen. They're like, oh, my gosh. They, they've they been doing this all season. Well, they haven't given up random Thomas, Thomas Bryant games all season.
3: Yeah, but they have given uh- up 60-plus points in the paint multiple times. And that, that Laker game was essentially a layup line.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And maybe
2: that's where the concern is. It's not like, and I think we've heard Mike say this, Matt. You correct me if I'm wrong. But we'll give up the shot on the perimeter.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: We're 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 going to guard the paint. Yep. And it's like, wait a minute, y- y'all made an effort to guard the paint, and this is happening? <laughs> what the hell? And 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 it. I mean, layups. When a team is getting to the basket and scoring, it looks different than when a team is hitting a three. Yeah. It's like, yo, where is? I mean, it's. I'm not saying it doesn't suck when a team is hitting a three. I'm just saying like, yo, will someone step in front of him? Right, Do something. Right. And I think that happens so often, or it's happened so often, we just use the generic defense term. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think maybe, maybe what a lot of us are thinking, what a lot of Kings fans are thinking is, hey, hey, as Matt said, maybe this, let's not make this a layup line tonight.
4: The other thing with that Thomas Bryant game, 14 rebounds. You know, And that's something that they have been good at for, for much of that. That was the other issue with the Memphis game. Uh, yeah, Stephen Adams with twenty three yeah, rebounds, and and those are those
2: are like all offensive,
4: right? And that and the thing about that though is those are atypical. Like they happen, but usually this team has been good at rebounding the basketball and, and finishing off defensive mm-hmm. possessions that way. So you're always striving. Like the Kings could give up seven paint points uh, tomorrow, and you're going to be striving to give up six the next game because you've shown that you can give up seven. Like you're always going to be striving for more. But the reality of the situation is they're a timely well, defense, and an but I think that, defense.
2: But I think that's the defensive thing, and I'm, and I'm sorry to just leave you sitting there. I think that's the <laughs> defensive thing is you see the defense, and you go, oh, okay, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Like, like what, what's the last thing we saw? We saw the Kings play defense on, on Wednesday. What do you think we're going to expect at tip on Friday? The last games. thing we saw. Yeah. Right. Hey, so I, th- I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same mentality that you just use with the pain points. Right.
4: And Matt, real quick, I want to say something. Else. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt George's last appearance on the show, <laughs> but that's like uh, I, I equate that to like Thomas Bryant. Like we've seen you score twenty nine. Why don't you do well, it every night? Well, like yeah. that's not who he is. W-
2: w- what do you What do you think, Your thoughts,
4: Matt? Matt.
2: <laughs> <Your> th- <laughs> Back to you, Matt. What? Yep. What happened? Huh? That's, <laughs> hey. That's our bad, Matt. Sorry about that. My
3: bad, Matt. My bad, Matt. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You could just attempt. chime in and tell us to shut the hell up. No, I, I, I enjoy it. I love you guys. No, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna uh, take this opportunity here at the end to, to drop the character for a little bit and, and revisit the fact that, like, I think it is fair for Sacramento Kings fans, more than fair for Kings fans, to have higher expectations than what the Kings showed for three out of the four quarters last night, and I think it is also fair to be extremely pleased with how when it mattered when winning time happened the Sacramento Kings responded in an excellent way not to freaking mention we're almost halfway through the season and the Kings are fourth in the Western Conference and first in the Pacific Division like when you give that context yeah glasses wearing heel Matt George seems like a lunatic but at the same time this Kings team has shown to be a, a rung up the ladder higher than we expected coming into this season and Reaching another rung on top of that is not out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. I want to do is see this team do everything that they can during the regular season to put themselves in a position to reach that rung, because I know it's possible. This is not a possibility that I felt the sack. Even if you go back to the 2018, 2019 season when the Kings were in a very similar position record wise around this time of the year, it still felt like a flash in the pan and we were just enjoying the ride as long as it would last. This feels real. This feels sustainable and I believe the Sacramento Kings can continue to show an ability to adapt, to be coachable and to develop to where a playoff series is not out of the realm of possibility. And even the chance of home court advantage in a playoff series, which I thought is Mm. absolute best case, best case, best case scenario. As of right now, the Kings are playing where that is in the realm of possibility. And I think if they're going to accomplish that, they need to handle business today better than the way that they've shown at times during this homestand and during the last couple of homestands when they've dropped winnable games, games that are going to matter uh When we're all said and done, but all things considered, Sacramento Kings fans who just want to be excited and happy and enjoy every win, regardless of the context, good on you. You should absolutely feel that way because this team has more than exceeded our expectations, and it is so much fun right now. And I'm very thankful to, for that aspect. I'm thankful for to be able to have a bar to hold the team to.
2: Big baby I face been able to turn at that. the end. The big baby face turn at the end. Breaking kayfabe with Matt wrong. George. We appreciate you so much for being with us. Uh, Make sure you check out the Locked on Kings podcast and Matt
0: George over on ABC 10. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.